0: Hey, this is Legends of Tabletop. This is Greg Loudon, an Aussie storyteller and chief convict at Convict Games. And I'm really excited to be on the show.
1: Very excited to have you here and would you mind introducing yourself Eric
2: oh hi yeah and of course this is Legend of Tabletop my name is Eric and I am the founder creator and lead designer of worlds overrun a 3d printing asset creator for uh, for tabletop gaming
1: excellent thank you very much both of you for joining me today now I'm I had originally planned to speak with Greg Loudon exclusively. Um, so I, I hope I hope that you'll be all right just kind of sitting in the background, Eric. Okay. Um, now, what I will say is we're here to talk about a video game called Stone, which is somewhat groundbreaking here in the United States. Anyway, I don't know how welcoming other communities are around the globe. Uh, <laughs> So let's see, it was definitely an experience playing through Stone, what was the inspiration for Stone?
0: Sure, yeah, so um, I guess to summarize Stone, it's a Aussie stoner noir. So um, a stoner noir is basically a genre of uh, either detective or protagonist led stories where uh, usually the detective is out of it and has to go through their memories to find out what happened or is thrown in a series of situations. And basically, situation after situation, nothing makes sense. So the original inspirations were largely uh, alternative alternative, uh, literature. So Thomas Pynchon. uh, uh, I like Hemingway as well. I like kind of how it was very uh, different and revolutionary at the time, the way he wrote. Uh, And also, Charles Bukowski. I'd say the original starting point was his book, The Post Office, which basically follows this, uh, quite a horrible post office worker that kind of evolves and has these situations and lives quite a sordid life. And uh, when I looked through all these stories, I was like, all of these are, are really cool. And uh, I loved Inherent Vice. Uh, and in cinema, of course, there's The Big Lebowski, which was a great reference and The Long Goodbye. But um, all of these were American stories. And for me being a Aussie storyteller, I was like, I've seen these from the American perspective, but I think it'd be really interesting or interesting to get like an Aussie version. Uh, so once I kind of had the genre and I had my references and I knew I wanted to do something uh, different and uh, kind of Aussie, the next question was, well, how do I build this game? So the other thing about Stone, which I didn't say is uh, rather than play a human character, you play a hungover koala detective. Yes. So, um, So that was a combination of uh, production where uh, I knew I wanted to do a very point-and-click driven story, a bit like Detective Drop (laughs) Mm Dead. Yeah, but um, (laughs) I knew that I wanted to do like a very uh, Grim Fandango or Firewatch inspired sort of game. And I knew I wanted to be cartoony. So the next question came was that why make it a human character in games or any game, you have to create everything from scratch, and it's all in CG. Obviously, if you wanted to do a movie, it'd be quite expensive to do a yes. CG character. Obviously, TED has been done in a sense, but nonetheless, it's easier in games. So to me, it just made sense. And once I had this sort of Aussie protagonist, then I kind of, or Aussie koala protagonist, it kind of scaled out to the other characters, so... My favourite one that I wrote is a cockatoo bartender named Cocky. Cocky, kind of yes. Doesn't take any. Can I swear on here? I guess not. Doesn't yes. take any. Crap.
1: We're we're okay. unbraided. Uh, okay,
0: no worries. But yeah, I she doesn't
1: take, blah blah. You know, yeah, you can whatever you want.
0: She's kind of um. She doesn't really take any of Stone shit anymore. So she's kind of been with him for a while. And part of the story is about watching uh, the relationships evolve between the characters. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made this full anthropomorphic story, which I think. As well as being a cool style and a way for it to hopefully uh, pop out to people, I think it's a really strong metaphor because when you watch *The Big Lebowski* or *Inherent Vice*, they are inherently uh, dark comedies as well, oh. and they play with subjects that aren't usually played with, and they play all them out in the open with a bit of a not, I guess, humorous perspective or a sarcastic or I don't know the right word, but they always look at these hard things, and sometimes you just need a laugh when you see these moments and That was something that I haven't ever played in a game, and it's the reason why uh, my team and I had to make stone. So a bit of a long-winded answer, but it's it's not as simple as just wanting to create a koala story. It's a combination of alternative literature, a lot of my favorite cinema of late, and then uh, wanting to do something different and fresh.
1: Yes, I appreciated the atmosphere surrounding those shady and threatening foxes.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's a funny story about that because uh, all, of the, uh, all of the voiceover in the game are all of my friends. So a lot of the times it kind of feels a bit like Kevin Smith's Clerks where I just took all these different people that I had. And I knew I wanted multiple characters. And uh, we only had, I had one British friend who kind of uh, was really keen to be involved but I wanted there to be three. And I was like, how is this going to work? But then I realized that in uh, British gangster stories, there's a story of the, these brothers called The Craze, mm-hmm. which is essentially two identical twins who kind of wrecked havoc in London in the 70s. And when I had that idea, I was like, triplets. It can be three of my friend, and I'll direct what? them three different ways with three different cadences and deliveries. Okay. And obviously, because it's the same mesh, just change some details. and. That's that's the story of the foxes. So uh, yeah, a lot of references if you dig.
1: Okay, so how long have you been working in the games industry?
0: Uh, Yeah, so how long? uh, Basically, um, I've actually been very fortunate. I've worked in different industries. So I'm Australian originally. I'm taking the call of you from Helsinki, Finland. So opposite side of the planet, but uh, started in feature animation. So I worked uh, in Sydney on Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, which is kind of this owl kind of Star Wars feature by Zack Snyder, who's famous for 300 and Watchmen and all those other stories. Oh, wow. I shifted over to another bird animated movie. I worked on Happy Feet 2, so mm-hmm. the penguins dancing. So you can see I've come to a bit of a full circle with Stone.
1: Definitely, <laughs> um, definitely. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, uh, yeah, moved to London, uh, and that went over – I guess, four to five years. I worked on Prometheus and Gravity. And after Gravity, I was like, this is probably the coolest science fiction movie I can work on for a very long time. So I decided to pivot to games. And it's been, uh, yeah, six years working in the games industry now and um, worked on Quantum Break, a time travel TV show interactive narrative game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Helped kickstart Control, the new game by Remedy. Worked on a VR storytelling game called Downward Spiral. And then this is my company, Convict Games. And Stone is my, uh, yeah, my debut okay. for Convict Games. But a lot of experience before. So I've taken everything I've learned from animation, VFX, and thrown it into games.
1: Okay. So how, how large was your production team for Stone?
0: It was tiny. So uh, I okay. wrote, directed, programmed, produced, and was a CEO. Okay, uh, And it was also a remote and global team. So the 2D style came from Moscow. I found Ivan on ArtStation, art blog website. And I loved his art style, so I reached out. Uh, The 3D was from Finland. Uh, Animation from Melbourne in Australia. Uh, I had a friend in Canberra, Australia, who was helping. And uh, my sister was actually, she's my co-founder. She helped me kickstart Convict Games. She was based in Texas at the time. Oh, wow multiple time zones, very small team and kind of around six people total for the core development and uh, had a really good editor as well, which obviously doing a story game is very important. So yes, yeah, had another personal board, but yeah, roughly seven people. So it's uh, pretty small for it all. But yeah, it was, um, I think it's the only way to make a game like this. If you want to push so many boundaries, it's, uh, Mm -hmm. you have to do it smart and you have to do it small. So hopefully it felt like more people worked on it, but it was, um, it was a it, tough game to make. <laughs>
1: it, it, it did. It did feel like there were more that had worked on it. But uh, were there any any growing pains for you surrounding the creation of content with adult themes?
0: Yeah, great, great question. So, um, yeah, the other thing with Stone is we are mature. Um, and that was always from the outset. If you think of the references like Charles Bukowski and Hemingway and... Thomas Pynchon and Hunter S Thompson and all that stuff. It couldn't really be any other way. Um, The way that we kind of looked at it was we, I did uh, do some research at the start, um, looked at what you can do in games and what you can't do. And uh, games is actually very different to uh, movies and TV in terms of ratings. Obviously music is the most free in any sense of the word. You can really do whatever you want in a sense. And I feel that with games, uh, It's obviously okay to jump around and shoot and kill, but uh, drinking and smoking and any other things is Oh, how
1: dare you? Yeah.
0: I know. So it was, I don't think it's the most challenging game, but it actually really does challenge what games are. And that was also one of the points with it was that I'd love to play a game that feels like it's a show that I could watch on HBO or it's a story that I could watch on Netflix, like a mature story. And it felt like the only games that are like that is Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead or usually involved, I love those games, but a lot of action and a lot of killing. And I wanted to kind of do something a bit different. But uh, yeah, it really came from knowing the boundaries. When I knew the boundaries, then I, could knew, I knew the story that we could really tell.
3: Okay. But uh,
0: I don't feel like we really held back in a lot of ways. I think we, we really did what we set out to do. Yeah, I just saw a, a note. <laughs> True. I think you can do that, but yeah, yeah, a little bit a little bit, maybe Maybe in the next game by Convict Games, we can explore uh, more other adult content.
1: Ah, yes, and a wonderful tie-in. Okay, so for those of us that may seem a little bit disjointed in the discussion, um, Greg's responding to Eric's posting of the messages on the slide, and he had asked about uh, Mass Effect and sex scenes and all that that wonderful, delicious, fun things that, that go on in those very popular games. Now, speaking of that, did you receive any backlash at all from the community regarding the content of this game? Over here in the US, we can be kind of puritanical sometimes.
0: Uh, yes and no. I, I, I really expected a lot more, to be honest. Um, What I have found is uh, it's been really wonderful to see the amount of acceptance of it all. I think uh, we have regulated the page so kids can't jump in, of course. There's a lot of age gates and other things. But uh, I think most players that have played it have been adults and they've enjoyed it and I hope uh, gotten something from it. We really, um, well, I really, as a writer, I really tried to pour a lot of different things into the story that I'd love to see in games that you just don't see. yeah. Um, uh, that,
1: that was a big portion of why I reached out like I
0: did. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely. Um, no, in terms of backlash, only a few um, a few kind of smaller messages and that sort of stuff that we've gotten from refunds. But in general, I think uh, I don't want to say too much about what the game is and I what it is. It. It's so much about jumping into it. But uh, part of the point of it was that uh, I think, I hope that it changes your perspective of how how the world is where it doesn't have to be how all these other games are telling stories. It can be completely fine and it's normal and it's great and it's cool. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a big thing for me. But, uh, no, I I have to say it hasn't. Uh, I'm really happy to see that. And I'm hoping that for any people that started the game and uh, did have some feedback, by the end of it, they're okay with it. So, yeah, but, no, fortunately it's been really, really well received and gotten a lot of really nice emails from different people that have really, seem to have connected with the game, which is wonderful when you do such a personal independent story, so.
1: Yeah, it amazed me how deeply personal it it did get. Um, But uh, I'm gonna also say my husband and I took full advantage of the To Kill a Mockingbird surprise movie time while he was playing The Darkness. Can you tell me about the selection process for the movies you had chosen for the cinematic portion? Of sure. Day.
0: Yeah, so Stone as well as being, it's largely like a feature length interactive story, so you can choose what you say. Uh, you follow the story of Stone and you meet a bunch of crazy characters. We alluded to foxes and cockatoos and mm-hmm. there's also a uh, hip-hop loving uh, stay-at-home dad named Les, who's like this little, little wombat who's hilarious. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, apart from that, there is, uh, what we do have is we have a map and you can follow the story or you can just go to the cinema. And in the cinema, we have public domain movies. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a good choice, by the way. Yeah, I'd I'd seen it done before. It was done in a game called uh, The Darkness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, they had to kill a mockingbird. And when I played that, I was like, why hasn't this been done again? And it's been a long time. Uh, So I basically, from the beginning, was like, rather than just create a game, we could create a game, we could create a soundtrack, we could create our own world. Um, So being inspired by that, we have uh, uh, The Night of the Living Dead by Giorgio Romero, of course, the classic zombie movie, also very publicly famous. Um, There's a message saying, I'm seeing crocs. Is that a pig? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Uh, There there are all kinds of things. There's
0: there's different characters, for sure. Yes, Um,
1: many different characters, a wide variety to choose from. Yeah,
0: but in Um, terms of movies, there's always what connected with the story and uh, what would Stone like to watch. Um, So one of the films we have in there is called Sentimental Block. And essentially, it's Australia's first silent film. It's Australia's first big blockbuster. So, for me, it was a question of sharing a silent film, which really is so, um, I think, undervalues the wrong word, but just not that really well known, in particular in Australia, that this is Australia's first blockbuster that everyone loved. And it's where a lot of Australian slang came from as well, this movie, because it was the first time that it was communicated. So, people on screen would see words that they would use afterwards. Um, there's also the story of the Kelly Gang, which is another classic. Australian classics, so I put those in for the Australian reference. Um, was looking into having a bit more noir, but in the end, uh, I did have to look through a lot of stuff with my um, with my lawyer that I had on the team as well. I had to check the legalities of these things, and some of those weren't open, but the movies that were, yeah, we, we definitely use them. Uh, also love German Expressionism, so Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And mm-hmm. last but not least, for players that do play the game, Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a Finnish short film there called Little Red Shoe. I I recommend it. It's around seven minutes. It's shot on the streets here of Helsinki. I was an assistant on it. And, uh, yeah, my fiance she actually uh, directed it and wrote it. So it's quite a surreal picture when you get to check it out and see. Awesome.
3: yeah.
1: Now, now looking back over at the side of what Eric has asked, would you mind sharing what what kind of slang? Can you give us an example?
0: Uh, let me let me catch up. Looking at game, what kind of slang? Oh sure. What sort of Aussie slang do we have? So yeah. uh, we have a glossary in the game for the slang. So that was <laughs> <laughs> like when you're in the when you're in the menu, we like to me I love stories where they just throw you in the deep end. So stone starts with you with a hangover not knowing what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, he's just on the phone chatting with his mates, and sometimes it'll be a bit tricky to know what's happening. But I, I love that in stories. It makes it more immersive, and it makes you do a bit of homework and uh, figure yes. it out. The slang that we use, uh, one that always gets people going, is this Aussie slang, which is a nice way of saying, uh, no fucking worries. You say, no fucking furries. Ah. So you essentially oh, nice. move the W and the F. So that's a... That's a classic. We also have um, Sheila and Bloke. They're pretty easy. Uh, In the case of Sheila, it's a female and Bloke is a guy. Uh, Doof. It's actually made famous by Mad Max, the Mad Max Fury Road. There's this car which has huge speakers on it, a guy with a flame pro playing guitar. Uh, That's called a doof wagon. And (laughs) doof in Australia is the sound that bass makes. So if you have a speaker and you turn it really loud, you kind of have that bass effect. So um i won't spoil it all but there's a bit and we didn't fit it all in and uh if you're playing the uh we'd have got it localized the game if you're playing the french or italian or japanese version uh we actually uh the translators took some liberties so uh we have a lot of film references in there uh we have references like uh to el topo jodorowsky's film uh we have references to guy ritchie Lockstock, and two smoking barrels so It's funny in the glossary of the other stuff, there's kind of these other like tips that are kind of written out for different people. But yeah, that's just some of the slang. What was left out then is the next question. (laughs) Yes, Uh, yes. What did you leave out? Not really, we put everything in, um, Mm -hmm. as well as the movies and the story and all the characters. I think that I'm super like really, really proud and it was incredible, the soundtrack. Uh, The soundtrack was
1: amazing, I love that.
0: It's all independent music. And I really love uh, techno. Mm-hmm. So we actually have a techno club in the game as well with 30 minutes of like Helsinki techno. So you can go in there and learn some techno. But uh, yeah. yeah <laughs>
1: and it's so,
0: yeah. a combination of friends and just musicians that I respected. Uh, an amazing musician that we collaborated with is from North Carolina. He's named Ryan Little and he's a trap music producer. Yes. And actually, when I started Stone, I uh, didn't want to contact musicians too early because I was worried that um, obviously making a game, a lot of things can change, but I always had Ryan Little in mind. So I was kind of waiting about nine months to email him. I had my email in the drafts, just waiting, 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 waiting. And when I was ready for the music, I emailed and he straight away is just like, yes, I'm, I'm in. This sounds really cool. I love what you've done. I love the idea. I love the big Lebowski um let's let's do it and yeah he's he kind of provided the overall i think aesthetic and vibe with his kind of uh chilled out trap music that he has so
1: absolutely now going in through the music uh for those of you that uh have not seen, I did write a review of the game, and at the bottom of my review, I have links to all of the artists, SoundClouds, and various ways that you can listen and hear what they have made as well. Um, and the, the music in this game, and you, you did a great job. Shooting the yeah. music. Yeah. And, yeah. and all you guys out there, uh, definitely check them out. Uh, yeah, definitely worth it.
0: Wonderful musicians, and uh, I think that's that's the nature of music. There's so much good music. It was um, it was hard to kind of choose the right ones, but I was I was very inspired by like Tarantino and Scorsese and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson with *Boogie Nights* and that sort of stuff. I just really wanted to create this uh, soundtrack, but didn't obviously have the full budget of these filmmakers, so I had to had to make do and find some really great musicians to collaborate and a lot of friends. So
1: yeah, now. So- I I did have one other question for you. How would you say that you approach time as it relates to project management and game development?
0: Another great question. Um, I think time is a good, I I can answer it in two ways. I think time is a really good means of storytelling. So uh, the other thing that we do in Stone and in a lot of stories that I respect is we play with time where it's non-linear. Um, so in stone, it starts at a certain sequence and you kind of find out what happened a little bit before and you go back in time and see where they first met. So uh, I always treat time as being a very important way to tell a story. Uh, there's no better way to tell a story in a finite time than showing time, different timelines. Hypothetically, I think it's obviously Christopher Nolan has made an entire career off of it. And uh, I love Pulp Fiction, as I reference Tarantino. So I love the nonlinear mentioned there. Um, in terms of game development, uh, as a producer, uh, was uh, pretty very, um, hard-line about in the sense of how quickly we had to move through deadlines. So, uh, I'm really glad about how it was planned out. Uh, for example, the voiceover of the game, it's full voiceover with some amazing actors that do the performances. So you're not just reading Aussie slang, you get to hear some great yes. Aussie accents. Um, but nonetheless, uh, just like good, um, film planning, uh, we had all the VO done in January and the game came out in September. So obviously the story had to be done before and after the VO was done, we could do the animation. So a lot of um, scheduling to kind of figure it all out so we could land and connect and uh, be be out when it was planned to be out. So uh, fortunately we got the game out, I think, a week later than what we'd like. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that it all just kind of connected, particularly with all the time zones. It was always hypothetically, a risk. But in the end, uh, it really worked out well, where it felt like when I'd go to sleep, I'd um, wake up and there'd be an animation ready. Because uh, obviously in Melbourne, they're working away. So if you're looking at making a game or doing any work with a global team, I'd really recommend it. But you do need to be a good planner. You can't expect people to work in your time zone, of course. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, please speak from your experience of the application process for receiving government grants. This right, question right. is for the game development hopefuls out there listening, and I know you're there.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, obviously, uh, Convict Games is an Australian company uh, founded in Victoria, um, and we were really lucky. We uh, ended up applying for a games release grant, which is a grant they have for. Um, First-time releases by games companies. So if you're in Victoria or Australia, I really recommend considering it um, we had to go through and uh, Answer some questions about what the game was uh, What it wasn't what we wanted to do what our uh, plan was to use with the money, of course, and that's being checked and planned out um, But yeah, I just say um, you don't know what's there until you look I actually found out about the grant through a friend Um, So I'm saying no matter where you are, I'm fairly confident there is a government grant that you could apply for. And if you have a good application, I really feel you have a great chance of doing it. A good analogy apart from us at Convict Games, which I learned recently, is uh, Eraserhead by David Lynch was funded by the American government. It was was an arts film. So that tells you a story. So I think uh, same with Stone for quite a provocative and um, I think a very personal game. It says a lot that uh, the victorian government which i have huge respect for in australia they were on board uh liam who worked there is just we were having a skype and he was just thumbs up the entire time he's like this is so great this is exactly what we want to be making in victoria it has the meaning it has the message it's a different type of experience so yeah my advice is do your research no matter where you are i can guarantee there's some somewhere you can probably apply for an arts grant, for an IT grant, for a technology grant. Um, be patient, it does take time, but uh, look into it. If you're hopeful, there is, there definitely is that support. And I'm really, really glad that my friend Ethan, he kind of prompted me to do a bit more homework. And uh, Sarah, my sister and I filled out all the forms and applied and fortunately received the grant as well.
1: That's fantastic. What was your favorite video game growing up?
0: Ah. That's a, that's always a tough question. Um, I think like anything, like music or like movies, it changes over time. But uh, I'd say the game that I really got into and I really enjoyed, uh, I really liked Doom. <laughs>
3: <Okay>. <laughs> when it
0: came out, I was just blown away, like everyone. I thought it was so like rock and roll. Um, mm-hmm. However, I will say the game that inspired me to wanna make games as a career was uh, actually Bit of a strange one but was grand theft auto 4 so a bit late in the series but at the time i was at university in sydney and i was studying uh computer science and in the class they kind of said that the most complicated information system or like computer technology in the world is used in banks or internet companies and i was like oh cool that's that's where i should go it'd be challenging and uh, mm-hmm. the other thing i liked is it's technology that's always changing and evolving but then that day i, went home, I went to the shop, picked up GTA 4, played it. And I was driving around virtual New York and I was like, this is the most complicated and amazing technology that I feel like is constantly going to evolve and change. And I uh, did some research and I saw that computer science is actually a way to get there. And long story short, I, um, I, I got into games, but I had to move to Finland. And I had to work on a bunch of great movies and everything else. But yeah, that's another moral if you're, uh, if you're keen to tell your own story or do anything. I'm sure like Eric can say the same. It's just not give. Don't give up. Just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And next thing you know, you'll do it. And then you'll have to struggle and make another one. So that's that's usually how it goes.
1: Now, uh, did you have a favorite board game back then?
0: Favorite board game? Hmm. Yes. Yes. No. I think I'm pretty basic in terms of board games. You're probably going to laugh, and everyone else probably won't be. As excited, I do play quite a bit. Um, I have worked in games companies, and in games companies, it's prolific, of course. But I'd say my favorite one growing up was a bit of a. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it. it's like a mixture of like a toy mixed with like uh, rolling the dice. That you have this bridge. This is a really old game, but you have a bridge that you have your characters on, and you roll, and it kind of swings them, let them. <laughs> anyway, it's. Okay. But I really like that because I've back when I was a kid I always liked to create my own stories and I think the thing that I didn't enjoy as much with board games at the time Was the fact that I hadn't played any games like that, but I'm more than familiar that today. There's there's a lot more But yeah back when I was a kid. I was pretty um wasn't really a thing. We did that much, but um More recently uh, I do like Cthulhu So we've been playing some of that at work and that sort of stuff. So that's, oh, that's good. But yeah, um, you've
1: been playing Call of Cthulhu at work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, it, I'm working in a games company, so of course <laughs> they, they play. They play all that stuff. Like right now, there's um, Iron Fang. Is that a is that a board game or is it a role playing game? But there's they're playing this thing called Iron Fang, and it's been in our Google Calendar for uh, about six months. And it it said they like Iron Fang. Mm-hmm. Um, I think act seven part six, and they've been doing this weekly. So there's, I have a lot of um, people that are playing board games all around me, but yeah, I should play more, but um, as of recently, I've been playing a lot more uh, video games as a game developer.
1: Okay. Now, speaking of Call of Cthulhu, uh, um, Chaosium just released a new introductory box set and that should be available at your friendly local game store. Now, could you tell me all about your greatest childhood fear?
0: Greatest childhood? Fear. Fear. Wow. That's an interesting one. Um, I'd say as an Australian who used to go to the beach a lot, I think I saw Jaws a bit too young. So swimming out in the ocean, I was worried about sharks because they are a real thing to be worried of and there are signs at the beach. Drop bears. That's a good point, Eric. Not afraid of <laughs> bears at all. No, not afraid of koalas at all either. Um, but yeah, I'd say when I was growing up, that always kind of freaked me out a bit because I used to go to the beach quite a lot with my friends, and uh, the area where I'm from in Sydney, there's an, uh, there's a place called Shark Island, which is famous for um, sharks, and it used to be a good place to go like body body surfing or bodyboarding. So a lot of my friends would like to go there. So that was always a bit of um, a scary moment. <laughs> Because you just go out into the water and you just can't see what's underneath you. And you know that in this water, there are sharks. So, yeah, I'd say that is. That still scares me today, I think, if I do that today.
1: (laughs) Sharks. Okay. Now, uh, current environment aside, what job, if you were offered it, would make you immediately drop everything you're doing to say yes to?
0: Hmm. Uh, I feel I feel really fortunate that I for the longest time like I wanted to start my own games company I wanted to be an Australian games company and I wanted to do a game like something that I'd watch at the movies or and just do a different type of game and uh, As of September last year uh, Stone came out It's coming to iPhones and iPads next and Hopefully more platforms after that and I really feel like it's it's the job that I've wanted so I would have really wouldn't switch it. If someone offered me uh, an amazing opportunity, it'd be very, very, very hard for me to kind of stop it at this point. It's not easy, of course. So part of me wants to um, do something else that's maybe a bit easier. But nonetheless, if I had to choose, um, I'd say I'd be I'd have to choose this one. So I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't give you a, a, a no. big, big answer. But um, yeah, you're talking to someone that I've been working for yeah, almost a decade to get where I am. So you could ask me again next time we chat and maybe I'd, I'd have a, a great answer of <laughs> what I'd like to do next. But right now, um, yeah, keep supporting Stone and uh, yeah, start working on the next convict game, of course.
1: Awesome. Now, m- back to music. What's the first music album you ever bought with your own money?
0: Yeah, well, this is this connects well with the hip hop aspects of Stone. But the first album that I bought that I really, really liked, I was very lucky because I had an older brother and he used to just I used to kind of get that music aside. Um, But uh, at the time, I was really, really into the Fugees. So the Fugees, the score, um, Mm -hmm. I kind of got that. And it kind of obviously started the whole uh, hip hop growth that I kind of went through. Whereas my brother was more into rock. I was kind of, it was the first one I had to get that uh, I just had to get that I couldn't get through him in a sense, but yeah, I'd say that one. So showing showing my age a little bit, but still, yeah, I'd say Fuji's The Score was definitely, Um, I really, really liked that album. Even today, I think it's amazing. And obviously no. Lauren going on to do so many amazing things musically, so.
1: What album can you listen to all the way through without skipping a single track?
0: Wow. I just saw I got a question from Eric. I'll get to you on in a bit. The question was Dream Project then, but I'll okay. swing back. But, uh, but in, in terms of what... Uh, I listen to albums front to back. I never skip tracks. Okay. Um, for me, it's, it's always been the case even when music really started changing to more single driven. It felt like taking a book and just skipping to the best chapter, which obviously is the best chapter, but it's only the best chapter when you have the proportions. Um, music that I've, an album that I'm really enjoying uh, currently, I like uh, really enjoyed. Uh, Assume form. It's by a British artist named James Blake. Okay. So um, I've really liked that album. It's kind of um, like this optimistic uh, hip-hop inspired kind of mellow electronic music. He's quite a famous musician. But yeah, James Blake assumed form, I have really enjoyed. Um, dream project then I've done my drop bear simulator, Eric. So it's it's hard. It's hard to top. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely have a dream project. I'm keeping it a little bit close still. But I will say that it's, uh, it's inspired by some stories that my grandfather used to tell me, which he's unfortunately passed now, but I feel like it's knowledge that should be uh, passed along which is kind of, um, yeah, you can get certain stuff from obviously reading other books, but I feel like it should be recorded and it'd probably be a period, uh, so period drama, probably like 40s, 50s, 30s, something like that. We have an Australian twist. So um, yeah, I think that would be a really cool story because I loved hearing it when I grew up and then I kind of realized that not many people are telling these stories anymore. So maybe I should be brave and uh, go for this one next.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Now I'm going to go a little bit meta here. What question do you wish I would ask
0: you? Wow. What question? We... Um, I'd have to say this has been a really cool interview. I've never been asked like <laughs> what scared me as a child and other things. Uh, so definitely, it's hitting hitting high marks. Um, what question Thanks. do I... I think you asked about the music and the movies? And I think I'm really happy to hear you enjoyed the game. Um, yeah, I think references. No, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with the interview. I think um, the only thing I would like to say about the game, I guess. Oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. I think it's an amazing thing. Oh, I guess art is a good question. Um, a bit more about the art style, which I think Ivan put a lot of effort into. So, um, Ivan's based in Moscow. He's never been to Australia. Had very little understanding of Australia. So there was also a bit of a language barrier where. His English was good, but not perfect. So we kind of communicated through YouTube clips. <laughs> that was pretty fun. But uh, I think in terms of the art, it was um, a really interesting process of like finding this, uh, this character, which I think Ivan did such a great job. The moment that I saw like Stone with the gray and the yellow shirt and the pink flip-flops, I was like, this is really cool and really different. And I could instantly, just from the picture, I was like, I really want to play this story. And he was such a, an amazing collaborator and so talented. And um, yeah.
1: Say, say his full name awesome. one more time. Where can we find his work?
0: He's on he's on ArtStation. Um, his name's Ivan Ivan Would you like me to write it in the chat for you? Would yeah, that make it? Happen?
1: I'm just gonna spell it out.
0: Okay. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> so if so uh, you want
1: to spell I it,
0: also out. recommend fully uh, Ryan Little. He's he's wonderful. The musician. Yes. He's um really really talented and um he's prolific like they're both very prolific but Ryan Little every Monday just drops a new trap track so it's just incredible he um he doesn't let up I think this past week he released four songs so I'm, he must have a, a bank of tracks but yeah no that's I, I'd have to say uh, I think uh great great interview and a lot of great questions so I think art is the only thing I can come up with but uh, but yeah no I'm I'm glad you went meta. It's but <laughs> uh, yeah. Didn't didn't see that one coming up. I'm I'm very, very unsure where it's gonna go now. <laughs>
1: well we're we're gonna have some fun because I am just sending that information that you typed in the sidebar to get added on later to information below. Okay. You know, when you see the YouTube. YouTube video we're going to add it below and uh let's see what oh what else do I have I've got like this I've I've got this list of questions here I haven't even gone through like the first page Oh. oh um let's see this is a repetitive one but in case your answer is not the one that I think you're going to say, which of course is Stone, um, you have the power to create one perfect movie or TV adaptation of a video game story. What game do you pick?
0: Ah, that's a good one. I, hmm, I'd like to see, um, I would love to do Stone. I think Stone is a cool, it's a great, I like it as a game because it means that you can watch movies and you can do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think would be a really cool adaptation today is uh, I, really, I really liked reading um, For Whom the uh, Bell Tolls um, and uh, Farewell to Arms, so Hemingway. I think uh, there's some really interesting uh, stories in those that it would be really great to kind of bring them up again. It kind of uh, Farewell to Arms is a story of Ernest Hemingway's uh, life in World War I. And it's just only like 100 years away and I think it's a really emotional and really different sort of story that I think would connect with audiences so yeah if I had the opportunity I'd love to adapt I think a Hemingway novel I think uh, there'd be a lot to learn from it and it's uh yeah it is is, you can very clearly tell when you read like Thomas Pynchon or Hunter S Thompson or uh, Bukowski they all they all read a lot of Hemingway it's very inspired so I think Take it back to the roots, in a sense, and he was inspired by Joyce and all that other stuff. But yeah, anyways. Yes. Uh, um,
1: what would you say is the most gracious response you have ever given to rejections that you have had?
0: Ah, uh, great, great question. It's it's something that I like to do. Um, I've had obviously starting a company and starting from zero, despite I have experience. It's still convict games. It's not another company with a lot of experience despite my experience but uh i find i've usually sent a lot of emails where you just don't get replies and uh, something that i like to do is i reply to every email i get which does take time but uh even even when it's a no i still have i still say no and i still say why so uh yeah in terms of um rejection to gracious stuff i think um yeah it's i kind of try to spin it on its head i try to turn the karma around and spread it good for the other person and Usually, people respond saying they're so happy and so like, um, like really, really happy to hear the replies. And I, I understand. I've, I've been there, so uh, yeah. That's that's why I like to pass it on. But unfortunately, um, don't get that many emails. But still.
1: <laughs> now, what's the most agonizing career decision you've ever had to make?
0: Uh, I, I think it's an easy one. I think leaving a full-time job. Okay. Um and starting convict games. Uh the plan was to kind of have uh have funding and have more funding than the government support, but it didn't turn out that way. So I did have to um live the artist life for a bit, if you know what I mean. So I had to cut back and sacrifice a lot of other things. But uh yeah, really glad I have and um really glad I did. I think I'm super happy with the product, but that was definitely a big decision, leaving big, uh bigger games that have a full-time job and kind of all that support and kind of um, taking taking this route. I was very fortunate that my fiance was very patient with me. She basically said, I believe in this game. I believe in this message. Uh, I'm happy to support you how I can. Just you need to do it. If you don't do it, you'll regret it. So just Mm -hmm. uh, do it. Just do
1: it, man. Uh, To tie into the funding issues that you brought up, with the last question, how did you make your first dollar?
0: Ah, okay. My first dollar—I'll give you two answers. The first one was—I uh, guess you've seen in malls how they—I don't know if they don't know if they still do it—but there's like uh, clay stations where kids can buy like Mickey Mouse and you can paint it. Um, <laughs> my um, my friend's mum worked there, so I kind of did that that for a bit, but it was kind of one bit of work. Um, Obviously, pocket money, but that's a lame answer but uh I think the other job that was really kind of uh taught me a lot about life and taught me a lot about experiences and you can see it in stone actually so I worked in a pub I worked in an Aussie pub so uh um, and cocky she actually was my my boss at the pub her voice that actress she's not an actress she's just was my old boss, so um I worked in a pub and I was collecting glasses, and it was quite a uh Crazy pub, so I had to kind of uh, get get myself out of situations and deal with a whole host of characters. So, if you play stone, you'll get to meet some of these characters. Wait, what is a crazy pub? Oh, hmm. Well, a crazy pub in this sense is uh, it has like a lot of customers that have attitude, so they can be um, I don't know, telling a lot of wise jokes or just being characters that want to prank you. Um, one of my favorite things. I don't know if you've seen Eric, but there's this Aussie movie called Chopper. I can't uh, say that I've seen. I can't say that I've seen it. Yeah, it's uh, it has Eric Banner. So he was basically um, he's quite a famous actor now, but he plays this Australian kind of gangster um, who is real. And uh, in this pub that he actually turned to stand-up comedy, which is a bit of a weird path. He's passed away now, Um, but anyways, uh, one of the times I was working at the pub, Chopper Reed, this guy was working at the pub doing stand-up comedy and it was one of my first shifts. And I was carrying a bunch of glasses and uh, when I was carrying them all, I dropped them. So I had Chopper Reed, this Aussie, ex-gangster, famous criminal comedian on stage basically, like just abusing me. <laughs> like what the hell are you doing? Like you dropped all these glasses during my set? And I was like, oh God, he's gonna kill me. So I just, <laughs> so that, that sort of pub. But it's um, really good people that I worked with there. And uh yeah, that's that's kind of what I meant by a crazy pub, just customers and who they booked for stand up comedy and uh yeah. If when you play Stone, like one of the locations we have is called the Smoky Possum. It's this pub. And I want it to be like the Bang Bang Club in uh, Twin Peaks or something like that, like some sort of silly name that you can't forget once you know it. So uh there's a bit of a bit of the pub that I worked at in the um fortunately no jukebox that people could annoy me with as much. <laughs> But that's one of the jokes in Stone that uh, Cocky. She really doesn't like uh, hip hop, and obviously Stone he does. So whenever you go into the pub, you can just walk up to the jukebox and you can, you can annoy her a bit more. After all, she's been through. Is, would you call that an Easter egg? No, no, it's it's there. It's there. If you if you want to find it, it's there. Yes. In my testing, I had quite a few people. They usually uh, they usually chose not to, which was nice. But that's always the case, actually, being a game developer. People usually always choose the nice path in the game, which I, I like, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that not everyone was just wants to terrorize, but uh, nonetheless, it's, uh, it's an option, you can do it, and there's a few funny responses as well.
1: Now, speaking of pubs, how do you like to hit the reset button after a terrible day or experience?
0: Um, I really like going to the cinema. Um, I'm super into movies. Um, I love playing a good game. Um, as I mentioned, I'm into electronic music. I like techno. I find it's a good place to kind of zone, and there's a lot of really great clubs here in Helsinki and some cool ones in Melbourne as well. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think uh, the thing that really inspires me and particularly with writing is reading, so just consuming uh, things that really, yeah, that I really love and just really make me want to be a better storyteller. Um, what book about-
1: are you reading right now?
0: What book am I reading right now? I'm actually practicing my finish. Um, I'm reading a book. It's a kid's book. It's called Miller Miles and the Mystery Thread. It's uh, written by my old boss. So previously I worked at Remedy Games and uh, my boss was uh, Sam Lake. So he was the writer and director of Max Payne for Rockstar Games and he wrote Alan Wake and he helped write Quantum Break and he's writing Control and he's also written this kid's book so uh we got a copy to support his first kids book and I've been trying to read that with a dictionary. So a bit of a disappointing answer. <laughs> but, no, not disappointing
1: <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah,
0: but it's it's quite it's 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 a good read actually. I've been really impressed with it. I'll have to um have to tell him. It's been a long time. It's always a bit I don't know if you've learnt any other languages, but stepping up to reading books in another language is always a bit intimidating. So
1: that's the only yeah. other one that I kind of know is <laughs> American sign language. Um, That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Here, here's an oddball one. Mm-hmm. Your younger sister, damn it, Cindy, gets you one of those DNA kits. You've returned the vial of spit and soon after men in black suits and dark sunglasses swarm your home you learn learned that you have a secret parent with lineage far, far from home. What does this new knowledge now explain to you about yourself?
0: That's that's another good one. So in my case, it wouldn't be Cindy, it would be Sarah. Sarah, what did you do? Um, <laughs> so after saying that to Sarah, uh, can you, I'm, I'm a bit confused. The the revelation is what would I do after finding out this mystery information? Oh, I, think yes. I, I think I'd dig in to learn more about I guess that culture or that nation and um i think yeah i guess try to figure out who or where where this culture is from my, my heritage is uh obviously uh australian but before then i'm obviously not an indigenous australian i uh, was scottish and british so i do feel a connection to kind of scottish culture and my last name loudon uh i think if you're in scotland it's Loudon. So, and there's a place in Scotland just northwest of Glasgow called uh, Luton Castle. So okay. there was actually some some stuff happening there, but uh, but yeah, no. I think if I got that data, I wouldn't be upset at Sarah. I'd be more curious, as I'm sure she would. of whatever Whatever lineage do we have, and what is the story of that person? Okay. As I kind of hinted, I I think there's a lot of stories in a lot of generations that that's just the nature of time, as you. As you pass on, your stories get lost. But I'd love to find that story and maybe tell that story as well.
1: That's excellent. Now, what song would you like played at your funeral?
0: <laughs> That's a good one. Um, what song would I like played at my funeral? Mm, I I can say I've never been asked that question or <laughs> of this yet. But thank you for asking. I can uh, put it on my will. <laughs> Eric said, another one bites the dust. I love. I like. <laughs> I like Queen. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I don't think I'd choose Another One Bites the Dust. It's maybe a bit better and a a bit too funny. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a very, very hard question. I'm very open to different genres. Um, Yeah, I feel like I've got more music to listen to before I could choose that song. Um, Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. I can't, nothing just comes to mind apart from Another One Bites the Dust. So maybe for now, We'll say today. I'll I'll go with Eric. I'll I'll do Queen. Uh,
1: <laughs> you do.
0: You need that. to have this planned out. <laughs> yeah, it shows you. I'm sorry. My will needs to be way stronger. Okay. Um, have you got this planned? Like, is am I the only one that hasn't? Well, like what what do you have planned? Like, what? <laughs>
1: I went through a really strange health scare a while back, and so okay. my my planning was to have a giant um, mud wrestling pit and a vat of jello, and people would fight over the rest of my earthly belongings should they so want to in that vat of jello. Just. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is there the music for this in your mind as well when you established this, <laughs> Something guar. this I, I don't know. It
1: probably had Guar.
0: <laughs> guar as in the yeah. metal group? Yes. Wow. Wow, that's cool. I like I, I know Guar. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice.
1: Um, were you yeah. impressed
0: with were you impressed with the Stoner Rock track in yes. the game by Warped? Yeah. I that, that's a very cool album they've done. Um, but yeah, no I'm glad I yeah, I, I like that. Music connected well.
1: with those guys because I was like, okay, I shared, I shared your music. Here's, here's where it is, and you can find the link there. So, yeah.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, War Chief is, it's great. I'm glad you liked it. But yeah, Gua, that's a, that's a choice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, uh, I'm, I'm gonna wrap up the interview with these five questions that I ask everybody. Okay. Now, do you prefer video games or tabletop games and why?
0: Yeah, I'd have to say I prefer uh, video games. Um, I am growing to like tabletop more. I think in childhood, I just didn't have that range. It was kind of Monopoly or these more other games that we had and didn't really give me the best, uh, I don't know, didn't really inspire me that much. Whereas with games, I feel like it's opened me to more worlds of cinema, music, uh, other things so i think it's i'd have to say games as a result but in saying that i do need to play more tabletop so i at the end of this i'd have to ask you a quick question what would you recommend to me today and i'll ask the people at work because i'd love to get an answer eric as well but i do know they have it so there's there's definitely if you tell me to do it i'll do it and i'll i'll drop At least layer an email and I'll tell you what I think.
1: <sighs> okay. Fantasy flight's gonna love me because I'm gonna say Mansions of Madness. I really Mansions love that game. Man-
0: awesome.
1: Mansions of Madness.
0: Awesome. That's a good uh, name.
1: It, it's it's tie it's a tie-in with Chaosium, call of Cthulhu and that. So
0: awesome. I like so the I name. So
1: lots of lots of cosmic horror good times. Awesome.
0: Cosmic horror, two great words. <laughs> Connected. Oh, <yes. laughs> Yes, Eric. Do you wanna? Do you have any quick one? Unmute um, yourself. i I'm, I'm try, I was trying. <laughs>
2: it was easy to get to. <laughs> I'm playing. Push the button. That's what I'm playing. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Um, the truth is, is I have an addiction to Catan because my nieces come over and play that with me. Uh, but I also really am enjoying um, uh, the new uh, the new iteration of DUSTS um uh 1947 i believe um i think it's so much better than it ever was um and the 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 panda warriors i think there's panda warriors the gorilla you know gunmen and the um the japanese schoolgirl assassin teams are just too uh uh, uh what's the word um they're they're total tropes they're they're total tropes but they just make this game so much more fun so yeah that that's been a lot of that's been a lot of fun but it's not a traditional game cuz it's a um it's a, it's a role playing game uh, well not a role playing game it's a, um it's like warhammer it's 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 like warhammer so you have to go Honestly, out the miniatures things. yeah you have miniatures and the miniatures are the miniatures are stupid they're they're overly complex there's giant walking armaments and the guy the guy that created it, I can't remember, but he, he originally created it, and it was a box game with miniatures. And you had these like mechs and things like that. And the the parent company in him got into disagreements about the direction that he wanted to take it in. So he ended up divorcing himself from the parent company, but somehow ma- maintaining the rights to develop his product. And only recently has he been able to release... The product uh, uh, of his uh, uh, own volition or or, or under his full control. And the original game is still good and you can still use pieces from that, but the new game is terribly complicated and fun and and exotic. And um, it's basically like a you know, what would happen if World War II uh, and Dieselpunk got together and used a lot of the tropes that we're familiar with today? I mean, they have a Cthulhu line, they have a they have a Japanese line, and they have a Russian line, and it gets it gets very complex very quick. Um, and, and if very you... Cool yeah, yeah, yeah. you, get, you got to check it out. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah no, the, it's... Yeah, that's, that's been the thing that I've been learning more and more that excites me about, is just the world building and all this development that I just... I, I didn't really know about until more, more recently. When I joined the games industry, it really clicked. In VFX and animation, it was obviously movies, 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 animation, animation. But then when I joined games, they're like, hey, you should come play this and you should do that. And I was like, wow, this is, this is so much better than what I tried when I was growing up. So sounds cool. All right, I'll, I'll give it a go. I've got okay. them here, so I've listed them out.
1: Uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, or for those that like neither, of those, Dune. Which one of the three? Door number one, door
0: number two. Mm. I choose, if I have to choose a sci-fi, I think I'd choose 2001 now. If okay. I, so <laughs> I think the other one, I do I do really like Star Wars and Star Trek. I haven't enjoyed the newer Star Wars movies as much, but, and Star Trek wise, it's been something that I've been discovering more, but. No, I'll, I'll go back. I'll, I'll say Star Wars. Star Wars, it's, I'm probably cliche, but uh, nonetheless, I, I really, really loved watching Star Wars growing up and even, okay. uh, yeah. Curious about the next one. Let's see. Fingers crossed. <laughs>
1: yes. Now, if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
0: Hmm. I kind of do a joke about that in stone. I don't know if you remember, but there's a line saying to be immortal and then oh. die. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's actually, it's a Jean-Luc Godard reference. He has that line in uh breathless, which is one of my favorite French new wave movies. And I find that to be a really profound and cool statement. So I, I'd, I'd go with that to uh, live forever and then decide that after that, there's nothing worth living for anymore. So okay. it's pretty, pretty deep, but
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. <say> <laughs> Here's one that may not apply to you because of your Australian background, Marvel or DC. I know there are many, many, many more publishers of comic books than those two, but I always choose those two.
0: No, but they're they're the they're the they're the monsters, obviously. Avengers and Spider Man are two of the biggest movies, and Batman. I'd say uh, I'd say DC. Okay. Yep, I, I really like Batman, and I like. Um, like Watchmen and Viva Vendetta and the Vertigo stuff. So yeah, and say DC.
1: Sci-fi or fantasy?
0: I'm definitely sci-fi. And a funny, a funny thing I think will crack you up as much as it made me laugh. How do you think you say sci-fi in Finland? They say skiffy. I think,
1: oh skiffy. my god! <laughs>
0: skiffy. So for a while, people were like, "Yeah." Well, my fiance is like, "I really like skiffy." I'm like, "Is that like a little pet? Like, what is skiffy?" She's like, "Skiffy," you know, like. Star Wars, Star Trek, Isomov. I was like, sci-fi? Like, what? <laughs> and Patris oh, is titus, titus. So <laughs> okay,
1: anyway, so. that's beside
0: the point. But yeah, I'd have I'm to say Skippy gonna, in this case.
1: Skippy, OK. Now, <laughs> what, to round this out, what else looms on the horizon? And what can we expect to see from Convict Games
0: in the future? OK, so uh, yeah, Convict Games-wise, You can expect another story coming, of course. Uh, But for now, uh, we'll be coming to uh, iPhone and iPad, so iOS. So that's the next thing. Uh, You can follow us on social media, of course, at Convict Games to see what's happening next. Uh, But yeah, working on porting the game. Uh, We'll have more to announce for that soon as well. Uh, We would love to do more stone stories. It's still to be decided but I I think we'll make it happen. So let's see, but there also will be another game. So uh, let's see, and it's going to be very different. I can say already that it won't have animals, unfortunately. So if you're hoping to have convict games with animals all the time, we will be shedding to the human form (laughs) in this case. No drop bears, I'm sorry, Eric, not for uh, (laughs) for the next one, but if Stone returns, you you better believe it. I've got some uh, wild ideas where to take that character. I'll give you a quick hint. Uh, I think if the reference for uh, the first stone was inherent vice, the reference for the next games would be lost in translation. So oh. that's that's all I'll say. So stone's going to get into some new new places. Okay.
1: Now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift here. Uh, as I said today, it, I went ahead and took some uh, actions. I didn't know if if you were uh just gonna give up on the interview or not and i'm so thankful that you of course
0: no 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 yeah we had a lot of technical issues unfortunately i i tried to take the call on my phone and i'm here (laughs) on my laptop and next time always laptop i've learned this lesson and um yeah i'm thank you thank you for waiting i'm i loved your questions and i'm so happy to hear you enjoyed the game and I hope yeah. you enjoyed as well if you get a chance to play it. and congrats on your, your game as well. I'm looking forward to checking it out.
1: All right. Yes. And Eric is here because he's had a very successful Kickstarter that was fully funded in eighteen hours. And you're on your what, your third your third uh, what what is it, the extra?
2: Fifth fifth kickstarter.
1: Fifth well, no, your fifth Kickstarter, yes, but like your third way. expansion on this one.
2: Uh, am I? I? I
1: think so. You've unlocked three, I think, three of I? the 18th.
2: Maybe. Maybe. Own Maybe. Kickstarter. I, think yes. yes. it. I I have a I have a I I have sort of a um reward. Re- yeah. Re- let's, okay. call it, let's call it a tradition. After launching the first Kickstarter, I worked the I worked the first day, and then the next day, it's like I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep in. I'm not gonna look at anything. I'm not gonna answer any questions. I'm done. <laughs> and then I like I take I take a one day break, and then I get back to it. And so I haven't really looked at it at all. I looked at it because the the two guys who are working with me both sent me messages as I'm trying to wake up <laughs> this morning <laughs> and I'm like I don't want <laughs> to know I don't even want to know I don't want to know what the numbers look like I don't want to know what the messages are unless, I'm
1: gonna hit refresh and see what it's looking like oh wow
2: unless yeah. unless the house is burning down I don't want to know
1: <laughs> they're funded at what is it hundred and fifty ish. Uh
2: percent? Oh percentage? Uh yeah.
1: So you're you're beyond completely funded now.
2: Yeah. We we're well a hundred and thirty-five, thirty-three backers, twenty seven days to go. So we just started. We're rocketing upwards. Um
1: Uh unlocked stretch goals. Do you have unlocked three of a bunch? Oh have I? Oh okay. yes.
2: So yeah, um,
1: Uh, it's a it's a really cool deal i mean like yeah i love that you have managed to team up with create what did you team up with creality
2: so uh, i put the i put the kickstarter in the chat for um uh uh, convict games I just forgot your name i'm so terrible with names
0: it's greg Greg. yeah no i'm looking at it right now as well yeah i okay okay. um
2: no one of the i teamed up with a um I you know I work for Collapse Industries making statues and making figures you know like like these guys. Yep. So um, Collapse Industries and is not the only printing house that I'm associated with. I'm also associated with Holding Creations and the guy who works at, who owns operates and runs Holding Creations partnered with me on this project to offer Uh, 3d printers filaments and also um, our lighting kit we found a lighting kit that works for us and we're designing our terrain to fit the lighting kit so we can create magma fields or or, or lava fields in the game and we're actually going to be teaching people how to take muslin and like a little piece of wire a little paper clip and create like smoke coming out of magma fields Mm -hmm. and um He's going to be supplying the printers and the lighting stuff because I design all the files and the, the other artist I'm working with is actually a former student of mine from when I was teaching game art and film art um, back in Florida. <clears throat> and he and I, uh, he, he, he just closed his comic shop and he's like, I need something to do. You know, <laughs> and we kind of got together on this project and. Um, it's it's a really extraordinary tale uh and we've had a lot of we've had a lot of work go into this um inferno was one of the worlds that i've always wanted to do but i kept putting it on the back burner because there were other projects ahead of it um i'm actually i really want to talk to greg <laughs> about some of the stuff that he's doing because the
1: you talk to greg about whatever yeah,
2: you I, want I, I, we I had I'm this
1: for the discussion. This is okay, great.
2: okay. Well, we had we okay. So so we had some really. There's a lot of overlap with some of the things that you've done and and some of the things that I've done, but they're also very very different. Because I, I did uh, a bachelor's of fine arts and then did an, a, an associate's of science for computer animation. Because all I needed to know was how to use the software. Ended up teaching for six years, and it was all about film. Everything was about film and games, and that's all I cared about. And that's all I focused on, and. The funny thing about the, all of this is is that, and I'm trying to tell you a story in the shortest way possible so that we can have like a real discussion about some of this, but as a fine artist, as an illustrator, which is where I started, it was all about creating independent career, create an illustration portfolio and go out in there and you sell your illustrations, you sell your designs. And when I went to the games and... Um, Games and film uh, side of things. It was all about get a job, work for a company, become part of the machine. Um, not to be derogatory, but that's just the the methodology that they teach you. And I did that, and then I stopped teaching, and then I ended up working freelance for a little bit, and then I realized I was like, I should go independent. I should go completely independent, and I started uh, my my game brand called War um, Worlds Overrun, and. We make, I I use my 3D skills and my art to design assets for 3D printing your own tabletop games. And it's very inexpensive for me and for my consumers on the whole, because we're able to, we don't have to ship anything. Uh, I can sell to anybody in the world. And um, if there's a problem, until we grow a little bit bigger, people can contact me directly. So it's just sort of like, hey, this doesn't work, okay. Let me fix that for you. <laughs> <laughs> <Gigi. clears throat> but I get to do all my own storytelling. Like for instance, if I want to create a bug world, I create a bug world, and I make yeah. you know parts that you know make sense for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and people are just like, oh, that's really cool. I've never seen anything like this. So. To me, it's really fascinating to hear you know somebody doing what I always dreamed about, which was I, I want to create games as well. Um, but because I'm mostly a, I, I am a storyteller, but not as literal as you. It's more about I make an object, I design a world, I create a um, a path or a flow or a a barrier, or I think about you know uh, terrain. In fact, that's one of the things that's I'm just going to add this so that you can interject here in just a second. One of the things that happened when I played Dust was um, I brought a piece of terrain that is, um, uh, I think it's uh, 300 millimeters across. And we put it in the table, and you can travel through it but, and, and or around it. And in the game of Dust, I used the terrain so much that the, the height changes that, I, that happened in the game, me and the other guy were down at the table looking at it, trying to see who had line of sight. And you don't see that in most games because most people play like this. I'm going to move this guy to this place and this guy to this place. And it's all just two-dimensional. And then that stuff just drives me crazy. Um, and I think, that, <clears throat> I think that it's really fascinating to hear how you went from film to film and special effects and all this stuff and then you decided that you wanted to tell your own story and started your brand and your your company, and you got funded by the government. <laughs> <laughs> of all things, uh, and and I'm kind of curious if if you have anything to interject or say about you know some of the stuff that I'm doing in relative to what you're doing. versa. Yeah, right.
0: I think from what you're saying, um, you said you kind of said roughly. Uh, you, obviously, you are a storyteller, and I'd say you definitely are a storyteller. And the thing that comes to mind. Is uh, visual visual storytelling or production design. So, to me, it's uh, stone is a very like talkable. There's a lot of talking in it constantly, but uh, I really, I, well, we really, really cared about the art and kind of making sure that the modeling came across and the details. So I, I'd, I'd firstly say you're definitely a storyteller, and I'd say, uh, yeah, I, I think we're we're on similar paths. I, I can definitely relate to the um, get a job um, kind of mentality. As I mentioned when I was at university. It was work at a big uh, web company. So get a job at Google or get a job at a bank. And that was what I thought life was. It was, um, I never really thought about the fact of how companies are really started. I only looked at them as companies. And I think that's something that I learned when I uh, joined Remedy here in Finland was that it was still a relatively small company. And I was looking around being like, this is it. Like, it's not this multinational 10,000 people. It's Um, a bunch of people that started a company in a basement and they made Max Payne, which is a game that I loved. And I get to talk to the person. It's just kind of, um, it broke down a lot of walls and a lot of barriers and it opened my mind. So uh, I can definitely relate to that. And the, uh, the urge to go independent, it kind of, it came from that realizing that, yeah, this isn't, it's not some big mystical thing. It's people and a few, and usually just brave people who, usually have to lose something to take forward and do it. I think everyone on the call can relate we've all started our own things and our own passions and followed it and it's not easy but it's it's what you have to do but um i want I,
2: mean, I want to interject on something you said if you don't mind yeah, of course. Uh, you, you said to lose something I, i'm old. when I was teaching, I always would tell people that to be exceptional is to make a sacrifice you sacrifice your time you sacrifice your family you sacrifice paying the bills you sacrifice whatever it takes but you're going to have to, to to get to the goal that you want you have to give something else up
0: yeah you do for me whether it's a job or it's your time or some other things so yeah i think there is some of that that is the nature of independent if you ask any any person who has a passion project that they go through, it's it's a choice. You only have so much time, so um, yeah. For me, that was the nature. I didn't really have to make a hard choice like that for a long time. I was very fortunate. I obviously worked very hard, and I did well in the jobs, and I did what I kind of did everything I could to kind of get that role. But it felt like going independent was the first time where, you, as you, I think even one of the questions was the sacrifice that they asked. I think there is that element that yeah, it definitely comes with it. But um, in saying that I think we can all say there is a reward, um, and yeah, I, I think we're very aligned um, in terms of what we're both doing. We're both creating worlds. We're both creating something we're really passionate about, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure the the biggest advice I got about writing, like this was the first game that I officially wrote, but. Uh, I think realistically, I maybe shouldn't have written because I didn't have the experience, but in my experience, you just got to do it. So I'd say for you, if you want to be a writer, write. If you want to be a modeler as you are, you, you model. If you want to do a podcast, you do it. Like everyone starts from zero. Yeah, so.
1: So definitely. And, and again, I, th- I just can't thank you both enough for taking time out of your busy days to come and speak with me,
0: so yeah, no yeah, Thank you so much. What wonderful, really great interview, and great to meet you as well, Eric. And thanks again so much for the patience, Leo. I'm, I'm okay. sorry for the delay and the hassle at the start, but um, yeah, okay. I've got some good games to play, and I I hope you've picked up some good things and some good music and some other things from me as well to both of you. So Absolutely. yeah, and right. okay. Onwards and upwards. So. Oh thank um, you. And uh, yeah well,
2: well it's it's I'll, inferno, I'll, so it's it's I'll, kind I'll of it, So don't worry.
0: I'll uh I'll I'll help back it as well.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Awesome.
1: So um, now uh, Eric, did you want to continue the discussion on the broadcast or oh, in the broadcast yeah. right here?
2: we we could we could continue talking but i was i was going to mention to greg um i have worked all over the place uh mostly remotely and one of my friends is um he's from finland uh, oh wow. that's cool uh, i'm actually i actually sent henry i sent he's a game he's a game artist and i sent him your game and your stuff and i said dude this guy's in your backyard and uh <laughs> I'm hoping to hear back from him, and I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to
0: yeah. mention that to I'm you. i curious. Let's let me. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm curious if he's if he's heard of it. I've I've definitely done I've done my best to make sure as many Finnish game developers know about the game. It's harder to get mainstream, but every every Facebook group they 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 yeah. know. It's actually pretty good that my networking seemed to have worked. I'm like, oh. I worked on this game called stone people like well i'm not sure i'm like you play a hungover quality detective they're like oh yeah that looks that looks cool so
2: (laughs) (laughs) i i have to ask you this though because henry grew up there he tells me that it's the most boring place he knows (laughs) is there something is there something
0: yeah it depends where you are i'd say helsinki it, it definitely has some stuff going on but i will say Uh, Being from Sydney, which is a bit more of a global city, it does have less going on than what I'd like, in a sense. There's a lot of my favorite bands, they seem to always just fly over, which is the first time that's happened Mm -hmm. for me. So I'm like, no, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) I live in Kansas City, so of course, fly over state. That's
0: where the term
1: originates from.
0: Exactly, so, yeah. No, I'd, I'd say that, but no, I I'd, I'd definitely recommend Finland. I think as a society it's really, really um, it's incredible the way it works, like in terms of public transport and um, there's so much snow here and everything just works and it's a really equal, really, um, really I, I keep- lovely city and lovely lovely culture. But yeah, I can understand the boredom, but uh, fortunately I live in the big city here, which is a small city, so <laughs> I don't know where Henry is. If I was in the countryside like some Finns, I'd be I don't think I'd handle it. <laughs>
2: I, I, I keep I keep teasing him that I need to come to his country and we need to cause a ruckus, and he's like, "Please don't."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, that's cool. Yeah, let let me know about Henry. I'm I'm curious. Absolutely. Maybe 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 I work with quite a few Henrys. That would be hilarious. But yeah,
2: see. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That's too funny. Um. I, I got to tell you, um, I, I, this is not how I expected my day to go. I was expecting to sit down and work on a model and, and try and get it ready for printing. and, and, and now I've met an extraordinary uh, uh, game developer and I'm, I'm
1: absolutely just- extraordinary human being. thank you so much. Wow. No, no, no,
0: it's 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 mutual. It's mutual. Let's keep let's keep going, and um, hopefully we can all chat again soon. And congrats again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for organizing, Leo. It's been a great,
1: good. great thing going. Here. You're very it's welcome.
0: Really humble and happy to be a part of it.
1: Cool
3: all right Um, so
1: if you if you do if you do need to dedicate yourself to other things just click the little x and exit on out and then i I would love to speak with eric about his kickstarter
0: awesome all right have a great chat okay
1: thank you so much
0: bye bye
2: i didn't either i i in some respects i I didn't really think about asking him this, but one of my friends was in game development and computer science, and he actually went from games the other way, and I should have brought this up, but I was trying to figure out how to segue there, which was, um, he went from games to working in bank securities. And he's, he's not thrilled, but he's, he's as a computer scientist, you know, that's his, that's his work. That's his path. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of crazy that he brought that up that that he started out and his instructors and his teachers were telling him, you know, you want to make money, you want to make a living, you want to be working on the most advanced stuff going on, well, you're probably going to want to work in a bank, probably, probably on cryptographies. Um, Most of what I've learned about um, computer science when it comes to um, banking is all about the securities is all about cryptography. Um, And and this is just the grossest of overviews that my friend has given me. Um, So it's very, very, very different than trying to create an AI or trying to make a game where it's it's, um, uh, logic trees. Um, So it's a different animal. Um, but then again, I'm not a programmer. i only understand this in the, the broad strokes. So really
1: you say logic trees, and I immediately think of discussion trees. Uh, so.
2: <laughs> I hope ha- I know we're still live, but I hope you don't mind me adding comments in the corners. I was like, oh, I want to interject something and I have to do it pr- quietly. So Leah doesn't get upset.
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't get upset. You know, we, anyway, uh, Oh, what was I going
2: to say? You are going to talk about Inferno. Oh my gosh. Inferno.
1: Tell me all about Inferno. I need to know everything.
2: Um, Inferno is our latest Kickstarter campaign. Um, all of the people that are playing, um, I forget which ones they are, but all the demons from 40K and all the people that are playing d that really need a hellscape. Um I, I've been wanting to do Inferno for a while. All the Star Wars people that are really looking for a Sith world, um, that's really what Inferno is supposed to be, Leah. Uh, and truthfully, I'm excited to show it. I'm excited to talk about it. It has, it pretty much has everything that you could possibly want if you can imagine. Dante's Inferno, uh, uh, or or any other dark place, we're we're gonna we're gonna have some demons. We've got you know a couple of statues. We've got giant walkways. We've got floating islands. We've got floating islands with pentagrams carved in them, and they're chained to the ground by chains that are thicker than your thumb. So oh. you're looking at this thing, and it's a foot off the table mm-hmm. because you know world's overrun. Elevate your gaming, of course. And and it's it's big enough to put two whole squads on. And the people I'm working with are like, "Can we make it bigger?" We're <laughs> like, "You do know that somebody has to print this and put it together." You well, do that's know. why you
1: have the open lock license, right?
2: That's right. We we yes, the open lock license is mostly for the the tiling systems. We've actually had to design a couple of weird things because. Um, we have I have a dovetail system, so for instance, the lava tube. We have buildings, ruined buildings, that go on top of the lava tube. Um, to make that work, I we use the dovetail because open lock is just a clip. Oh, that's the other thing I need to t- I share. Funny enough, uh, James, the guy I'm work, one of the guys I'm working with, he's like. When we go to conventions, and by the way, I'm going to be at Adepticon. We have a table at Adepticon. Anybody going to Chicago's Adepticon? And I I know that this is short notice for you, Leah, but Adepticon happens in late March. You should come out.
1: I have NACACon in mid-March.
2: So? So? This is late My March.
1: panel! <laughs> late March. Well, I say my panel, but the panel that I am on with two wonderful people Actually, no, that's, that's like four other wonderful people. I'm thinking, <laughs> no, no, no. It it's, it's me and Sydney and Chris and James. So yeah, four other people, four people of which I am one. We will be, <laughs> it, it got expended to, uh, two nights.
2: Oh, wow. That is, that sounds extraordinary.
1: Oh yes. You should come knock
2: I, I will let me see how K
1: A hyphen K O N.
2: Let me see how this Kickstarter goes because this Kickstarter I'm all right, I know that people don't want to hear this. I'm hoping it's gonna be exceptional because then I'll have the budget to go to Adepticon. That's kinda of like the plan. Right now it's day two and we're not even at actually day two and after well, okay, we launched at one o'clock yesterday. So we're at technically we're at day two. We Almost. started day two.
1: 45 more minutes.
2: Right. So, um, yeah, cons. Um, so this brings me back. Let me go back around. Um, the guy I'm working with James, he's like, man, everybody that has any of the clipping systems, you know, the, these guys are putting together whole tables with these, these clips and he, the people are walking around with taped up bloody thumbs because of the clips. Right. Oh, And he's like, can you make me a a tool to put clips into the tiles? And I'm like, I can do one better. I can make one that puts the clips in and takes the clips out. So I created a, a small device, a small handheld rod called a clip popper. And it's so well engineered that when you use it to take the clips out, the clips fire out of the tiles that they're inserted in. <laughs> like last night he points it at the camera and he takes the clip popper and he jams it in. The clip moves so fast that the camera couldn't see it. No. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a magic trick. It was here one second and gone the next. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Um
2: <clears throat> but um So
1: does the is the STL for that little tool uh, in the Kickstarter as well?
2: It is gonna be in the Kickstarter as well. In fact, um, I think that we may be making, I was hoping to hold on to it and make it and present it at Adepticon, but we were probably gonna, I have to, I cannot confirm or deny this, but I think we may be making it free on Thingiverse to try and get people to come over to the Kickstarter campaign. Um, It's just a little early to make that decision yet. And it's something we've been talking about because I want to give things away to people if they're going to come and buy my product, but I also kind of have to pick and choose what I'm giving away. And I'm, I am always afraid that I'm going to give away something that's either not good enough or too good. And people are just going to be like, why would I bother? You know what I mean? So I have to find the middle of the road um, in what we present to people. And, and the reason I'm sharing this with the community is, is because I want people to know that I'm, I'm kind of a straightforward guy. I really have no time for bullshit. Um, and I'd rather, I'd rather people know that I want to do right by people, but I am also trying to start a business, which, you know, business is kind of like one of those four letter words, just like when you have to ask your friend for money because they owe you money. And it's kind of like, do I really want to deal with that, that confrontation? Um, which is a bit of a shame, but a lot of people are like that. So, um, I would like to make it free, um, and I'm, it may be free, and I need to make a th- I need to make a decision about it with my with my the rest of my people because I'm also beholden to the people that I work with. Uh, it may be my company, and yes, I'm partnered with Halden uh, Creations, um, but I have to I have to consider them as well. So, we're hoping to give away a small kit of free stuff. That people can start with um because we've gotten a few critics we've got at least one critic who's who is annoyed with us because we didn't present our photos immediately on launch Um, we were hoping to like let them out a little bit at a time so we're trying to figure out how to deal with that too which is a bit of a shame because i've done five kickstarters and i've only had two or three people ask me to make edits to files because I go to the extra effort to check them, prepare them, make sure that they don't need supports or computer-generated supports. Mm-hmm. And, and I make also I also make sure that they cut up so that they're, they lay on the bed and they're really easy to work with. So <clears throat> I wish people had a little bit more faith in my product, but we've only been... We, we just finished our first year back in October, so we're, we're working on our second year, so hopefully I'll get a little bit more uh, confidence from the from the community and and people would be more willing to and more interested in the product that we're trying to produce. So, but I'm excited. Uh, Inferno is crazy. Um, we've got we've got statues and spiral staircases that you can actually play on because I designed. Yeah, I them thought those stairs. were really cool. Oh, this is all amazing stuff. I wanted because they're
1: they're wide enough they're to wide. accommodate not just one figurine per step.
2: I think yeah, I think you can put two per step m- most of the time, because there's an undercut there's an undercut to the stair, mm-hmm. uh, to the step space. Um, they go up 50 millimeters and 100 millimeters. So if you take the, the full spiral staircase and not the one there's one with the hub in it for the statues, mm-hmm. um, but there's one without. And if you take that one and break it into two parts, you can make a 180-degree uh, turn, or a 360-degree yeah. turn. Um, so you can go, uh, uh, 180, do a walkway or even do a landing and then do another 180 and go up, um, go up. The first one goes up 50 and the second one goes up, uh, roughly hundred. It's not exactly hundred. We actually used a really odd measurement. Um, it's like a hundred and change, hundred and change millimeters. Um, there was a reason for this, um, mostly to accommodate some, um, uh, character sizes and clearances. Um, not everything is going to clear, but most people are going to pick their pieces up and put them on the other side of things. They're not going to try and shove them underneath a thing, even though that, that clearance is there for that reason. Well,
1: and, and then, of course, you have the Hell Statue figurines.
2: Yeah, the Hell Statue figurines was uh, a lot of the guys that influence us, like Stephen Platt, um, mm-hmm. Mark Silvestri, you know, a lot of these illustrators, um, a lot of a lot of other illustrators out there, they, they they, they take Baroque and Renaissance-type statues and have them holding up pieces of terrain. And we're like, we need to integrate that into terrain um, and not just make it a facade. And, and a facade, for anybody that knows, is just the surface covering. It's just an exterior. It's, you know, the relatively flat um, a lot of the elevation of the terrain um, a lot of the the quality of the terrain is is the, the exciting stuff is is we want to make and tell stories we want people to look at it and be like oh my god that's death in fact the story mm-hmm. about death is is like we think about death as the living but what is death to the dead you know so with death to the dead we thought he was more aggressive um, because he <laughs> the dead are in his realm so that's why we gave him a a a chain and a flail um which some people have called um an incense burner uh like like the catholic Because like censor? Yeah, yeah. But it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a flail. No, it
1: yeah. definitely looks like a weapon. <laughs>
2: it's it's supposed to be and we've had a couple people print that already. Oh man, that thing that thing's going to hurt when when people get slapped with that. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where, um,
1: I'm just kind of scrolling through and looking at the images now.
2: Uh, we have so much to come and it's, it's the, there's also a lava waterfall. I actually made the lava fall is massive. Somebody was online and they're like, how do you make a lava fall? I was just like, I'm going to make a lava fall. I'm gonna do it, and then just built it. And <laughs> it was a, it was a three day project because I ended up I ended up cutting it up immediately. Wait, one, it. two, three,
1: four. So it's four. What what is this? A two hundred and fifty millimeter, 250, uh, 500,
2: 750, thousand millimeters. Mm,
1: By mm, are your plates much smaller than what I'm looking at here? The
2: the, the tiles the tiles are. 100 millimeters we try and we try and do everything around a 100 millimeters tile mm-hmm. um not not everything can fit on a 100 millimeter tile both large mm-hmm. and small but 90 yeah. percent of what we do focuses on 100 millimeter tile because no dm every dm wants to make a dungeon crawl but no yes. DM, no dm in their right mind wants to spend two hours assembling a four by six table with 50 millimeter or two inch tiles, that's true it takes too long it is too painful and it's unreasonable this is that's a set um a 300 millimeters uh let me double check my math um i have a ruler here yeah 300 millimeters is just just under a foot so it's 300 millimeters by 18 inches so a foot by a foot and a half okay and it's a massive structure. And we actually have characters in it. We've, we've been playing with it and fooling around with it. Um, we have one being printed right now. Um, in fact, when I get off the line with you, I'm going to be working on the floating island. Oh, would you like to see the floating island? We displayed it in our, in our Twitch
1: yeah. stream. Yeah, duh.
2: So we displayed, we displayed the floating island in the Twitch stream um, on our on our launch day. Let me see if I can share my screen. I don't have the buttons. Oh, it's on the wrong side. <clears throat> Yeah, so we started a Twitch as well. How
1: many monitors do you have in your setup? Uh,
2: right now, I have two, but if 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 I could do things differently, I would love to get a large scale. Um,
1: One of those big, long, curved ones.
2: Oh yes, I would. <laughs> so so you and I grew up in in the '90s, the '80s, and the '90s, and floating islands in fantasy terrain was. Oh. Constant thing with with people. And so what I'm doing is I'm, this is in development because it's not The designs have been worked out. The the balance for the printing has been worked out But the actual modeling and sculpting hasn't so What you've got here is you've got one floating island and you can see this one's fully distressed It's missing. It's gonna be missing a huge chunk. I'm going to actually uh, Tear off more of this terrain here then you've got over here, this highlighted area here. These are going to be individual floating islands. Mm-hmm. And the tr- the trick is to make them look like, you know, they're pulling these chains around. Um, and the chains just end up becoming their supports. Now, you know, product may vary because we're going to have to do some things to make this work. For instance, I might attach some magma or some, some uh,
1: moss dripping some, down. Where,
2: what? well, Inferno's hot and dry. Oh, yeah. No, okay.
1: I, I, you said floating islands. So I'm immediately thinking <laughs> of
2: uh, well, if, like,
1: oh, a soothing I- I- island breeze.
2: <laughs> well, uh, the original floating islands that we used in Strata were a lot more like that. <clears throat> a lot more growing and green things coming off of them. Yeah. In this case, this is more like floating bits and chunks of, of lava rock and um, we're actually going to take one of these and crash it. Uh, but this guy, this guy here is um, 300 millimeter or a hundred millimeters. So God, 150 millimeters in the air. It's one of, it's not the tallest item that we have, but it's, it gets you up there. And if we put Sid, Sid is the stand in tool for measurement. Mm-hmm. There they are. There's four SIDS. I'll highlight okay. them. So there's four SIDS and they're, they're, they are, um, I think they're a 25 millimeter on a 30 millimeter base or something like that. These are made by the guy that created open lock Matt um, from pinnacle scenery. You can see that you can put these guys on here and these drain spouts are supposed to operate like bridges. So you can take a character and move them across the space to, uh, to the given tile. And if I go top down, zoom out a little bit, there we go. So you can kind of see uh, how, how this would all uh, work within the space. Um, actually, I can turn off the wires. There we go. And so we got some colors. So you can see how you can move through this space. And you can move a squad or a group of people through the space. I want to make these these miniature islands um, big enough for two characters uh, easily. Um, not too rough, not too crazy. Uh, like a lot of the ground plane is a little bit more rough, and a little bit more um, it's the traversing is a little bit uh, more extreme. Um, And don't be afraid, you know, most of the time the terrain is completely usable for 3D prints It's just that this shader uh, the material that makes this look the way that it does is pretty extreme We actually use this guy with a little bit of gray and this really kind of gives a better look and feel for what the printer is going to spit out So there are relatively flat spots or spots where the points all reach up and touch the base similarly um, We try and minimize angles to 15% um, that way that pieces can, you can move pieces around the terrain and all the stuff we've been playing with and testing with, um, there are areas that are too rough. Like this little rise here is too rough. It's supposed to be, um, cause not all of the terrain in the world is traversable. So why should your characters, uh, <laughs> why should your characters be any different? Um, but we've got some, like there's a vent here, uh, so we can put lighting in there and stuff and fumaroles and things like that. And we're, we're just working through all of that stuff now. So yeah.
1: yeah. Speaking of, of lighting for miniatures terrain, um, I have seen people have great luck with the tiny lead lights, the tea lights that you can get from the Dollar Tree Yep. that mimic flame. Yep. And just a little bit of polyfill glued around the top of them to emulate smoke and take a lighter and burn some of it and get that
2: dark. Yeah, that's exactly what we're, we're hoping to do is, is um, what I'm going to do is, is if I get a chance, I'm going to take one of these fumaroles and the lighting system we have is those little cables. I, we should have, We have a photo of them on the website and we have a light tray that goes underneath this and you can mm. mount your lighting system and then light the areas that you want to light and then you take a little bit of polyfill and what I recommend is you take the polyfill and you use an airbrush or a spray can uh, and you dust it. You dust it from above with some black pigments. Flame
1: pigment. free.
2: Exactly. Well I don't I there's a time and a place for everything, but if I can avoid mm-hmm. plastics and polyfill and all that other stuff. Yes. I can use using flame with that. I will. And I find that a little bit of black, um, cause cause the polyfill, if you damage it or break it, or if it gets messed up, you just rip it out and you can make another little tuft and then just hit it with an airbrush. And it's like it's not a real big, real big deal. But we found that um with our few experiments, the red lights that we're offering with the Kickstarter. Uh, work great with the, the polyfill. The light illuminates the polyfill and the polyfill is um, translucent enough in its individual fibers that it gives the red glow. You hit it with some black and you can go pretty heavy on it if you wanted to. And it, and it just works. And the thing I'm saying about the wire is imagine taking a little piece of wire, almost like a paper clip, and you sort of loop that through some of the polyfill and then you create the volume you want. And then you just take that little bit of wire or in this case, a paper clip, and you just drop it in the hole and the paper clip or the wire holds it in place. And then when your game is done, you just pick them up and throw them in a little box. You don't have to let, you know, they don't have to stick there, they're not permanent because, you know, you're gonna damage them, you're gonna distress them, you're gonna break them, you're gonna lose them. Yes. So why risk making it permanent when, you know, that can come out and be put someplace else? Now, I know a lot of the guys that develop like seriously cool terrain and then cover it with grasses and mosses and things like that. Yeah, that stuff's that stuff's semi permanent, and you have to find a way to transport those things. And yeah. that's a real that's a real bear. Um, but the truth is, is that the people that do that stuff, they if they can get it to, if they can get it to the 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 convention or to their to their game store or wherever, and it's ninety percent intact, that's mm-hmm. a win, and everybody's going to be more impressed and more blown away. And I'm just trying to with with this stuff. Um, you know, and I'm sorry to monopolize the conversation, Leah, but with this stuff, no. I'm just trying to give people a, a substrate, someplace they can start, uh, modding with. I, I would love to see somebody paint these chains all red and dirty with rust and then, you know, um, I can't think of anything that I would do immediately, but like doing smoke, like having smoke rising up along the side oh, of this wow. thing.
1: Oh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all the, dry brush on
2: top of that. Yeah, all the fun mods that you could do, or maybe even like have someone take the time to like take some epoxy sculpt and build an altar Ooh. or a sacrifice down here. or or who knows, whatever, whatever people want to do. I mean, I'm like, I I would love to see somebody taking the modding of 3D printing to the next level and just, again, elevate your gaming. Mm -hmm. That's all World's Overrun's about, is elevating the gaming, making it more provocative, making it more complex and and nuanced, and and so on and so forth. Um, But yeah, you know, we're we're making some crazy, we're making some strides here. And, and this is one of the demons that we haven't had a chance to show yet, but this is one of the demons that I'm hoping to put out uh, uh, with the game, um, who's, who's splashing around in a, a lava a lava or a magma um, magma fissure.
1: Oh, sweet. I was gonna yeah. say, I, I, I probably missed that if you shared the screen because I was looking in other places. Woo, nice little geiger-esque alien hammerhead maybe kind of
2: well this wow. is more his this is this is partly his head piece his mm-hmm. his armor piece i mean we've got a couple of different demons that we're um we're trying we're going to be offering
3: uh-huh.
2: um, <clears throat> and they're all going to have wacky, wacky wacky names um so yeah <laughs> this one this one's, a, this one's supposed to be a print what
1: is that kidneys or a pelvis
2: well, there's there's a there's a piece that there's a piece by Simon Lee that I that I bought long ago when he was making um, pieces called Gray Skull, and he had this head with these kidney shapes coming off it, and I just loved it so much um, mm-hmm. that I wanted to do I wanted to sort of emulate it in this guy's costume. So I've got to sculpt him and work on him. But yeah, the, it's it's amazing doing another Kickstarter and having everybody be so excited about the product um there's a lot that goes into making all this stuff um and we do it in we do it at a blistering pace i mean we threw this together in less than a month
1: man now you're you're rocking in zbrush and i i can't even do half of that anything and in sculptress it's just kind of like uh i don't know i made a dot (laughs) you know
2: well (laughs) I, I did. I did start as an illustrator, and and Zbrush Sculpting is mm-hmm. is very similar to your drawing. So I drawing is kind of like my thing. And I was mm-hmm. I ran into a student, of not a student, a peer of mine from university from the first time I did university. He's like, your drawing skills were always superior to most of the people around you. You know, um, even though most of my classmates were much better. Uh, painters and illustrators than I ever became. Drawing was kind of my jam, so mm-hmm. understanding the brush understanding how to make a, a form is just the same animal. It's it's just interchangeable to me, but it's not. I'm not saying that it's easy, but I'm not saying yeah. that it's impossible. I think anybody could, um, with the time and energy, could do what I'm what I'm doing. But I've just been doing it a lot longer than most people. I mean, hell, I graduated in two thousand. Uh huh. So I've been doing it a long time.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: But yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, all right. Do you, do you want to know anything? Is there anything that you'd like to ask me or, or that I, we should bring up? Cause I, I don't know.
1: Well, I know that, uh, that uh, obtaining funding obviously was one of my, uh, one of my driving questions with Greg. So we're gonna we're gonna go through the process of doing a Kickstarter oh. for those that have never done it before.
2: Well, Kickstarter is Kickstarter is a vehicle for those that don't know. It is simply a vehicle, and it's it's a fair vehicle. But you're not gonna get anything out of it that isn't supplied by the by the by the by the by the tool because it's a tool. Um, So, for instance, um, the the funding part is only the smallest part of what goes on. Um, All of the real work is the planning and the organization. One of the tricks that I have is is that, because you can't, you and I and a number of other people couldn't work on the same Kickstarter at the same time, because if I'm typing something and I save it, but you're editing some other portion of it and you Ooh. save it, you overwrite what I changed.
1: But everything that you just did is gone.
2: Poof, completely lost. Oh. So, so what, what I came up with with my team was I said, okay, and, and my team's really me, an advisor and, 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 and another artist. Um, so, so there's really four of us, uh, actually five, there's two advisors. I,
1: I have my arms lifted in victory as I just hit refresh and I saw again, that is W O R the world of Inferno. you can find that there <laughs> on the Kickstarter? So we're talking about, about starting the Kickstarter and working with other people and, and sharing the times
2: yeah. that you go uh-huh. to edit that. The, the the best part about it is the community. But what I was going to say is that that I found is is that if you use a Google Doc, we build the whole Kickstarter in a Google Doc because everybody can be working on their their piece. Their 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 somebody's reading it through and making corrections to grammar. Somebody's you know building the um, the stretch goals or someone's organizing the. Um, the different rewards and writing out the copy for that. Um, this Kickstarter, I wrote the least on any of the Kickstarters I've ever created, but I edited a lot of stuff. Um, I read through lots of pieces of copy and made made changes. And I let uh, I let my my main artist, my other main artist, because I'm I'm kind of primary. I am primary. I let him take a lot of read uh, of the lead on writing copy and. Um, it was, it was scary to let somebody take the lead, but it was also refreshing to not have to be doing all the work, you okay. know? Um, I don't know if I'm a good team leader or not, but I'm lucky enough to work with some really, really exceptional go-getters. And and I want to say this because I want to bring this thing, this next thing up, because this is so important to all the people that I've worked with. Um, actions, everybody's always heard this, but actions speak louder than words. <sighs> my my the artist that that started with me on this project he actually started with me on the last project um Mm -hmm. he's he's going through a lot of family stuff but he's there he tries to be there as much as possible Mm -hmm. and he and i had a conversation about this because he had to close his comic shop um he he you know he's like i did it i ran it it was successful but we just can't keep this up it's just too much so he, that's why he started working with me when he's, going independent, he's trying to go independent. He feels that it's more uh, there's more room to grow as, a, as an artist and as a developer and so on and so forth. But he has started, just like myself, many, many projects. And I think a lot of creatives start projects and they end up trying to bring people in to help them create the project that they want to create. And nobody has the passion for your work like you do, but a lot of people, especially a lot of people coming out of school, they're like, yeah, 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 but there's no follow through, there's no commitment, there's no effort put in, there's no re- there's no sacrifice, if you will. And the projects fall apart because the only guy pulling is the lead guy or the guy that started the thing. Um, and I'm finding that I've gotten criticized by some people for for some of the people that i have involved with my projects, um, but I'm finding that um, I think I finally found the people that I want to work with long-term because they get up and they do the work and I don't even have to ask them to, um, James has done a lot for me and Mike has really stepped up. Um, and I think that, uh, there are community, there are people in the community that are also going out of their way to help me get my company and my project off the ground in ways that I don't even consider. I had a guy write, um, a a short review a little blurb and share the photos from the kickstarter on a a forum over in i believe i want to say europe uh Mm -hmm. let's just say europe because it's it's not in the states and i'm (laughs) just like somewhere elsewhere somewhere else in the world the, the great big world because apparently you know americans think that the world revolves around them but no it was it was like hey i wrote a thing for you here's a link and i was like oh my gosh, <laughs> how do I thank this guy? You know, Even if it yeah. only gets me one purchase or one sale or one more follower, um, that's huge. And, and I, I've always felt that community, um, if you don't support the community, the community won't support you. And I'm, I'm a little gun shy about writing things in communities because I see a lot of novice people asking questions that as a professional... I would love to answer, but the whole community is trying to answer them. They're all like the kid that had the answer and the teacher's like, how do we solve for pie? And the whole room is like yelling the answer. They're not even raising their head. They're just yelling the answer at this poor person. And I'm sort of like, I really have an intelligent answer for you, but I can't, I'm not going to get a word in edgewise when 30 odd people are talking. So I'm, I'm a lot more quiet on social media than I was years back. So it's kind of, know i want to be part of the community but i'm also like a little gun shy about opening my mouth um and my james has gotten on my case about that and he's like you need to be more engaging and i'm like but why should i say something when everybody's also already everybody else has already said it Ah. so it's back to the point though i think that i think that that moving forward um no matter what you want to do if you want to be an independent of any kind you need to have the right people. You need to be, you need to be willing to fire people, and and at the absolute worst, you need to be able to fire yourself. You know, you need to you need to or step aside um, to let somebody better qualified to handle the thing that you're not good at um, or that that you don't really need to be controlling. Um, I'm not I'm not interested in being a micromanager. Um, I'm interested in making a product that's going to change the world. I want to enrich. Community and I'm sorry I'm playing with my pen. Let me put that down. I'm over here here clicking that because I'm fidgety. Um, The end of the day, the end of the day, I'm really excited about this product. I want everybody to enjoy the product. I want people to ask me about the product. I want people to talk to me and say, I love it, I hate it, and then I want to be able to turn around and say thank you for sharing your opinions and your thoughts. And then I'm going to get back to you know making the next asset to try and. Enrich gaming, I think gaming of all kinds, whether it's, whether, it, or storytelling of all kinds, whether it's film, uh, tabletop, uh, video games, uh, the, the the 3D printed miniature side of things, which is what I'm most involved in, you know, um, it, it needs a better class of hero and a better class of product. And it needs more independent people uh, stepping up and sharing their voice and sharing what they do um, because I think that I don't. It's it's going to be sad when the market's flooded, but I think that there's a lot of people out there that one don't share what their ideas or the thoughts and the process are, and there's also a lot of people out there that are sharing their stuff and and it's not good enough or it's maybe that's not the way to put it. It's they almost, haven't
1: found the correct audience yet.
2: They haven't found the correct audience. They or they're or they or they're making a product that. Doesn't enrich the community is the uh, is the other side of things. You know, you always get that one guy who's like,
3: "I have SketchUp." <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. <laughs>
3: somebody,
2: somebody posted that question, and I was, I, I was like, oh. "They're like, they're like, can I make models with SketchUp?" And I wanted to be like, "That's like asking." I didn't do this, but I, I, I almost freaked out. I was like. That's like asking if you can paint a renaissance, uh, a, a masterpiece with, um, with GIMP or something horrible like oh, that. No. It's like, I was like, no, Eric, you need to go take a walk. You're getting, <laughs> um,
1: I mean, I, I, for my own 3D printing stuff, I use a lot of Tinkercad and I play around with the Hexagon and yeah, so.
2: uh, if, if, if. <laughs> If I won the, if I won, if I had crazy money and I could do, <laughs> and I could give people copies of ZBrush and be like, "We're gonna take a month and I'm gonna teach you guys how to use this thing," <laughs> I would, I would do it just to, see, <sighs> just to see. I know this sounds horrible and elitist I and lie lie condescending. Oh, yeah. I had, I had because I actually design real things. I had somebody ask me once if i played what is that game what's the game where you have all the blocks and everything's blocking oh,
1: yeah i i know wait, minecraft
2: minecraft they someone asked me if i played minecraft and then they proceeded to tell me you can build things in minecraft yeah. and somebody built a star trek enterprise in minecraft and i looked at them and i'm like <sighs> That's like asking a rocket scientist to, to to have fun with bottle rockets. And it's like-
1: Hey, I, I, they, they probably could.
2: Okay, fine, fine. Um, uh, balloons. <laughs> a, a rocket scientist to go and play with balloons. It's just, like, I just wanted to look, I, I wanted to pat the guy on the head and be like, I need to walk away from you before I find a shallow pond to drown you in. <laughs> Oh, man. I I feel so horrible because it's like when you're when you've got all this expertise and this training and and then somebody tries to like they they want to share their excitement with you for something and it's just sort of like I'm glad you're excited but I can't yeah. <laughs> I don't I can't I don't know what to say to you it's like it's like it's like blocks versus Legos, you know, or blocks versus what's the, what's the advanced version of Legos Uh, mechanics or whatever they call it. I forget what it is. And it's just sort of like, (sighs) I was there once too kid, but I've, I've grown beyond that thing. (laughs) 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 I'm so, I don't mean to be a horrible person. I really don't. I'm so sorry. Um, it's all
1: right. I I made the mistake of, of sharing with my mom that I was trying to write something, and she was like, "I read this book one time. It was great."
2: <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, wait. <laughs> picking picking a, a a gold star, you know, five star five star masterpiece novel. You're like, mom, I'm writing a book. <laughs> I read I read what was but I can't think of anything that I cannot think of any serious writing. I'm like trying to think of a real like book. And I keep going back to like horrible books. Um, it's okay.
1: The Haunted Vagina is an excellent <laughs> selection. Wait, wait, I wait, I recommend wait. it. Garrett. Cook.
2: The, the, ha- the Haunted, Haunted Vagina.
1: It is a great book.
2: <laughs> I, It it
1: was written with much more, much, much more compassion than I ever thought that it would be. So that that, that's my recommended read for February.
2: (laughs) What? 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 How is? How could a vagina be? I'm (laughs) completely. You're gonna have to read the book and find out. Is it a euphemism for something? I don't want to. I. I'm horrified.
1: I don't want to know. It's, it's it's great. Let let's see. I'm gonna find it on Amazon and I'm gonna send you the link.
2: Okay, okay.
1: It, it's it's a true. It's a. I mean, it's not a true. It, it's a true fiction. It, it's a it's a work of fiction. And that much is true.
2: Is it haunted? By, it. Is it haunted by cephalopods?
1: <laughs> no actually it is not there you go it's available in paperback and kindle no kidding and i am sending you the link right now and okay. okay. let, let's just hope that i that i was correct in my naming of the author and if not look, look up that guy's work too
2: sure absolutely
1: carlton mellick the third yeah I, I was right. I was so
2: right. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to look up the haunted vagina then. All right.
1: Well, on. I just, I just sent you the link.
2: I'm, 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 I'm looking in my. I've got, I've got a hundred posts, hundred messages from people. That, so I'm trying to figure out why yours isn't coming up.
1: Well, I, just,
2: I I'm refreshing. It, I'm refreshing.
1: It, it's in the chat.
2: Oh, in this chat. I thought it's it
1: was... in this chat on the sidebar.
2: Oh, I thought it was in Facebook chat. There
1: you go.
2: My bad. Okay, now I've got it. I've got it. going well, on.
1: Uh, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh, post that on Facebook right now.
2: The haunted vagina. Oh yeah. My gosh.
1: It, it's a real thing.
2: I love how the skeleton, which is made up of bones, but has no bone... Yeah. ...is checking out her butt.
1: Yes. <laughs> ah, you're so right.
2: Oh my gosh. Oh
1: my gosh! I suggested read for February.
2: I'm gonna have to look that up. I I gotta I gotta I gotta ask you something though, and and I know that we we're gonna have to cut this a little short, but um, if if you uh, I know that there's a list of things that we don't have images for, um, but if you could have something in Inferno, you know, that we haven't talked about or we haven't shown, um. What would you What would you want to see What would What would make Inferno more
1: more inferno <laughs>
2: What would it make What would make it more
1: a violin obvi-
2: A violin
1: Yeah, there needs to be a violin in hell. Um,
2: you mean a fiddle Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we can do that. <laughs> Maybe okay, great i'm gonna i'm gonna put that on my list of things you're gonna Wait. put
1: that you're gonna put that in the hand that has the mace
2: i'm i'm actually i'm not sure we're gonna gonna put be it, a
1: violin.
2: <laughs> i'm not sure we're gonna put it in there at all okay but, but what i'm thinking uh, what I'm thinking is is that um i've i've never done this but i was thinking that maybe we could hide one somewhere in the products do it
1: that'd
2: be and great the only problem the only problem mm-hmm. it, it, Little <laughs> yeah exactly what is that over there uh, it's, it's a gold fiddle wait he lost the gold fiddle
1: uh-huh
2: yeah that must have sounded horrible as yes
1: in the future the gentleman that won the gold fiddle saw his end he did not live a good life
2: but still a gold fiddle must have it must have sounded horrible because it would have all been all metal and stuff it must have resonated very poorly plus gold is very heavy and it's also um
1: well now it's going to be half melted into your hell
2: there you go well yeah it might just be a pool yeah (laughs) but um but yeah um no i i'm I'm, I'm really pleased with what's going on. Um, and we're just trying, we're, we're just getting started and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we can make more and more stuff. Um, and I'm going to, I can't promise you anything, but right now my main goal is to get out to Adepticon um, uh, for, um, for March. Um, cause there's a list of stuff that we want to do. Um, mm-hmm. But man, what a, what a ride, you know, you spend, a, you spend, you know, three we're, three weeks grinding away on things and you put it up and then suddenly, you know, you've got positives and negatives and then the, the, the Kickstarter is funded and it's
1: been
2: mm-hmm. 18 hours and it's, you it, know, it, it, it's, it's all, <laughs> thank you. But it's, it's, you know, it's, I'm surprised. I now know, you know, after doing this one, I really understand why, why so few people pursue um, projects like this? Because if it's successful and it's wildly successful, the, the, the ride is just as turbulent Mm -hmm. as if it, you crash and burn. Yeah. There's just so much that you have to comprehend and you have to deal with and, and Every 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 step forward is 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 uh, a learning process and sometimes a challenge and and nothing and none nothing about this is easy um, and it's
1: uh, and I should probably let you get back to whatever it was you were doing.
2: I know I do need to, I do need to get to work. I've been talking a long time with you guys. I, I want to say this um I, you know uh. uh you know, just to say uh, thank you, Leah, and thank Tabletop Legendary ta- uh, Legends of Tabletop. I'm trying to pronunciate, but the the words do not come forth. And, and meeting uh, Greg, um, that was just uh, extraordinary. And I don't know if Leah's going to be able to cut and paste from this, but if you want to be entertained, you want to listen to cool stuff, you want to hear comprehensive, neat ideas, definitely check out Legends of Tabletop.
1: Well, thank you very much, Eric. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to you having an awesome day. And as always, I I want to see more from Worlds Overrun. want to see my fiddle. Anyway, <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. And you have a wonderful day, Eric. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
3: Hey, everybody. Before we wrap up this episode, I'd like to take a minute to say thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying the podcast from our interviews and actual plays to our rambling roundtable discussions. If you like what you're here and you'd like to support the show, we have two great sponsors for you to check out. Birds of a Feather Coffee Company is a small batch craft coffee roaster and is our OG sponsor. They have three signature blends to choose from. The Morning Lark, which is a light roast. The Night Owl Blend, which is a rich dark roast. And the Hummingbird Decaf Blend. They also have the exclusive Legendary Brew, a nice medium roast coffee, perfect fuel for all those late night gaming sessions. If you use the code LEGENDS10, you'll get 10% off your order and shipping is always free. Our new sponsor is Thing 12 Games. Thing 12 Games is an independent board game publishing and development company. They are the creators of the award-winning Dice Of series in the arena of pocket tin dice games. Currently available are both Dice of Crowns, where you roll dice, backstab your friends, and try to claim the royal crown. And Dice of Pirates, where you play as a pirate captain, rolling them bones, fighting your mates, and claiming the booty all for yourself. Click Click Boom is a tension-filled social deduction card game full of clicks, bluffs, and booms. Their latest offering is Seals of Cthulhu, a strategic bidding and bluffing card game set within a Cthulian universe where two players battle for the fate of the world. They are also offering both Alhaka and Project Dreamscape by Sarah and Will Reed. And if you order through their website, you can use code LEGENDS10 and you'll receive 10% off your order. Thanks everybody for checking it out. We'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network.